calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. (sighs) All right. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to our What's in the News episode. We should just start right off by saying that we're recording this on Wednesday. Yes. Who knows what will happen by Friday? Who knows? They always say the news, you know, travels fast, it changes fast, but man, does it change fast these days. Like, it really does. I mean, it really does. I mean, I had my notes out and I'm still going to talk about this a little bit. But of course, for us here in the United States, and actually this made global news, and that's very fun. uh, We just had our first presidential debate yesterday. We sure did. And that really did take over. So I'm sure we're going to spend most of our time talking about that. But the only thing I have notes on because there's so much of it. (laughs) Well, last week, I think maybe last Friday, like the the last time an episode aired for us, Trump's tax returns were leaked. (laughs) Oh, yes. Another very important conversation by the New York Times. So before we talked about the debates, I wanted to touch on that slightly. That's all I'd had in my notes before the debates happened. And then, of course, that took over. But this was something that we had been kind of waiting for since Trump was elected. I mean, typically presidents have to release this kind of information and he refused which was weird like i i can't believe how quickly people just kind of were like this is fine okay yeah exactly about that uh it it was weird and you know during the 2016 election hillary clinton speculated that he didn't want to release his tax returns because he maybe wasn't as rich as he said he was Or, you know, wasn't as successful as he said he was. Yeah, that's such a great way to, like, challenge his ego. Right. And I I do believe, I mean, there was some story, I think, in the New York Times way back in the day when he was, like, on The Apprentice, where some, someone either who was on The Apprentice or who worked for him said that that was the one thing that you couldn't touch upon. Oh, it was SNL. The people on SNL said Mm. that that was the one thing that you weren't allowed to joke about. That because he was very sensitive about people not thinking he was rich. <laughs> 
and it turns out. Um, <laughs> no, I he's mean, just a huge cheapskate. If you knew anything about him, you know, and his business history, he's kind of being hailed or has been hailed as this like mastermind of business. He wrote the yes. art of the deal and all that stuff. Well, and that was also like a big thing for his original presidential campaign. Of you course. Know, like, oh, well, he's a businessman. He can come in and, you know, clean up the economy. That was like the whole right thing that he ran on the first time. But as it turns out, <laughs> he was not a successful businessman, which actually people knew. So up until he, you know, started The Apprentice, became the host of The Apprentice, he was known in New York as this person who was kind of like, yes, we equate him with being wealthy. However, we all know that he sucks at business. He's failed at businesses. People who were kind of like in the know in New York City always looked at Donald Trump that way. Right. So it was after he started The Apprentice when the American people started to be like, he's successful. And he, you know, say what you want about him, like all the other absolute shitty things that he is, he was good at capitalizing on this belief that he was successful. And right. he was able to convince people, and his tax returns kind of show this, he was able to convince people to give him massive loans, <laughs> Basically, just yeah. on the word that he was this successful millionaire. Uh, and well, I mean, everybody bought into it. I mean, I think about like how many songs reference his riches before his presidency. You know what I mean? Like there's so many references to Trump and his riches where it's still shocking to me that there isn't anything really to back that up because that is so what he's known for. Right. I mean, I remember there being like magazines that had him and Melania in them because of the way that they had decorated their Manhattan apartment, which was all like gold. Gold. Everything was gold and covered so in... So fucking tacky. It's Come on. It's so tacky. I mean, honestly, for somebody who claims to have had like this legacy of riches, it's so like yeah. nouveau riche, you know what I mean? You know, I have to say this because we just did a Sex in the City episode, but do you remember when Carrie gets her engagement ring from Aiden and she hates it because it's like a gold band with like a uh, stone on it. And she was like, oh, well, like, I like it when it was, it's like my fun costume jewelry, not when it's like my engagement ring, which oh, I completely disagree with. Like my ring will be gold. But yeah, there is something to me where like an excess of gold in particular is just kind of like, There's, okay, I, I buddy. Gold jewelry what is are you beautiful. I, I have gold jewelry. I think it looks nice on me. However, there is something to be said about like the Trump's apartment was like gold walls, gold ceiling. I love that ceiling. we're just referring to it as an apartment because like when you're saying apartment, I'm picturing like my little one bedroom apartment that I'm currently in. You know what I mean? Like that's I mean, what I'm picturing. But with, it was like, definitely gold, everything. A massive apartment, but it was still but. an apartment. So that's too bad. Well, so the New York Times, they I don't know how they uh, found this information. I'm sure that you can find that uh, online somewhere. But they did reveal this information and they found that he paid no federal income taxes in 11 of the 18 years that they examined. And in 2017, um, after he became president, his tax bill was only 750 doll hairs. And... <laughs> Let me tell you, I paid more than that in taxes in 2017. So, oh, like, by a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, it's really nothing. Like, $750 is 
mm, is, I not, pay, is not even rent for my tiny one bedroom apartment in, in LA. I like, have paid. That's absurd to me. I've paid health insurance, my health insurance for three months now. And I've paid more than $750. I pay about $300 a month in health insurance. <sighs> so I'm just saying <laughs> that's some yeah. ridiculous bullshit. It's completely ridiculous. And I, I did have a few, you know, little mentions of that uh, tied into my notes from the debate because, of course, that was a topic of conversation. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, if you'd like. Well, we don't need to go into details, but I do want to... <laughs> I want to acknowledge that while he was declaring losses and not paying taxes or paying very, 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 very little in taxes, he was continuing to live an incredibly lavish lifestyle, taking tax deductions on what most people would consider personal expenses, including residences, aircrafts, and my personal favorite, $70,000 in hairstyling. (gasps) I know, right? For that hair. For For that that hair oh my horrifying and not only that you know and again we'll talk about this when we get in yeah I mean it is just interesting with what he what he says about that I mean I, I don't have much to say I guess about what he said about it in the debate but he does assure that he spends he actually spent about millions of dollars okay, but on he's his not federal offering. income taxes and he's saying he's assuring us that there is more paperwork to come and the Bullshit. moderator your assurances mean nothing even the moderator Chris Wallace was like then show us then and he's it's, like I'll yeah. show you after the election election and it's like, like yeah bullshit. it's coming it's coming yeah exactly you've had and four years to show us and you never did and then again yeah. speaking of the debates uh which i'm sure we will get to and talk about a little bit or at least touch on trump attacked joe biden's son during the debates which was yes. horrifying and i started mean, getting vi- like choked up over that it was very hard to watch it, it was it was cruel what he yeah. did was was cruel and, and hearing joe biden repeatedly say my son in response trying to like be heard that was what did it for me it's, there's something about the repetitiveness of him saying that that just broke my heart yeah yeah, I mean, and meanwhile, you have Ivanka Trump, who, while working as an employee at the Trump Organization, received consulting fees, in quotes, that helped to reduce the family's tax bill. So they did everything that they could, including, you know, for him, including using his children to reduce the amount of taxes that they would end up spending at the end of the year. And look, there are people who will say, well, this is the tax code. If you don't like it, you should, you know, lobby to have those laws changed. Well, or and whatever. that's essentially what Donald Trump argued as well during the debate. It's like, well, any everybody who's any who's not a, like, what did he say? Like anyone who's not stupid or not a losers whatever word trump used has like you know fudged on their taxes a little bit he's like well i mean everyone I write does off it. absolutely everything i can on my taxes i always right. do it is smart to do that you know work with your tax person and 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 do that like i understand that however this is the same base they're bending over backwards to make excuses as to why trump is screwing the american people um right and not paying his fair share of taxes. Meanwhile, these are the same people who will condemn immigrants, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> who will say that, you know, black people are relying on the welfare state yeah. and taking advantage of the government. These are the same people. So don't like, give me that We're bullshit. paying for that. Yeah, like people yeah. like you and I are the ones that are actually paying for those things. It isn't the wealthy people that are actually putting the big bucks into those things. And if they were, government-run like businesses and organizations of any kind would probably run a hell of a lot better with more funding. Uh, Well, I mean, absolutely. We do need to change the tax, uh, you know, the tax code because like a lot of people have pointed out, it's not just Donald Trump. The 1% have paid very few taxes just in general. Amazon paid, I think nothing in taxes last year, which is insanity. Yeah. I feel like that's become something that is so, normalized in our culture and it's something that especially I'm starting to you know something that's always enraged me but I'm starting to look at a bit more closely of like okay maybe it doesn't have to be that way though like what can we actually do to change it instead of just being like oh my god the one percent the one percent well what do we actually do to like change that you know it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be that way and step number one is getting somebody else in office so there's that should okay, we start talking so talking about the debate then? Yes, let's jump so, right into the debates. I want to say that I got my information right off the bat from uh, Apple News, the app on my phone. They have like a 10 minute podcast that was so helpful because literally they just like took all the noise away and like told me a few things that was going on. And then I had all my other recollections and I could like tie it all together because that was a shit show and I could not understand a word that anybody said for I mean not a word like I understood what was going on and what people were saying but like there was so much over talking right I mean to (sighs) to drive it home for people who didn't watch the debate or maybe people who are not American following this debate this is how bad it was the commission on presidential debates said it would change its format after Trump's consistent interruptions during the first face-off with Joe Biden. So there will be... Isn't that so humiliating? Like, we've noticed more and more, like, well, Trump is doing these things because there's no specific law or rules telling him not to. So he's just kind of, like, fudging his way through these things. There were rules that his campaign agreed to. That which is, is true. what which is what Chris Wallace kept saying yeah. like your campaign you agreed, agreed to, the two minutes. to these 2 minutes like you agreed to these rules he doesn't care because his entire strategy he never had any intention on following those rules because no. he doesn't actually have any intelligent counter arguments he doesn't actually have anything to say about policy reform or what he's going to do or plans to do in his next term so his entire defense Mm -hmm. (laughs) his entire defense was basically just attack 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 and make sure that no one can hear joe biden speak yeah it was a lot of buzzwords it was a lot of fear mongering it was yeah it was making sure that no one could hear joe biden and you're exactly right he doesn't have any idea what he's doing so that is his plan of attack but the thing is i feel like his followers at this point have been brainwashed enough to understand his word salad and listen for those buzzwords that it's like that's it's not going to change people's minds at this point. Seeing well, the but debate, that's the like, thing. it still scares me. This like, didn't do anything. 
Okay, we'll get into it. So anyway, the the commission basically said that they are going to enforce new speaking limits. Uh, however, there are still no decisions made on whether or not you can cut off microphones, which is basically what everybody was saying, where they were like, they just need to turn his microphone off. And yeah. what I didn't understand was that Chris Wallace, he did try, and I could tell that he was trying very hard to keep them on track. However, yeah. there was at least two times, possibly three times that I noticed where Chris Wallace, you know, Trump had his time, Biden has had his time, and then Trump would want to rebuttal. And Chris Wallace would say, sorry, that's not how this works. We're moving on. And Trump would say, no, I'm answering this question and go on to answer it. And I'm like, why aren't there rules that say, hey, you don't get to, like, you don't get to. I don't understand. They just let him talk. And I was like, why the fuck would you do? Okay. Anyway. I know. So it it was really, it was really something. My best friend, Katie, actually texted Max asking him to record me watching the debate and then send it to her. So there was that. And it was, it was an interesting video. I had no idea that he had done it. And it was, I mean, it was just pure horror. I mean, I sent, we were texting each other like crazy and I sent you photos of just my face where I just held my phone out and I was like, what the fuck is happening? It was insane. It it was insane. So, I mean, if you were counting insults, okay, just like sheerly counting them down, you could say that Joe Biden actually hurled more insults than Trump. He called Trump a fool, a liar, a clown, a racist, Putin's puppy, and the worst president America ever had, and told him to shut up uh, on a presidential (laughs) debate stage, which I will say, yes, there is a cathartic moment for the entire country whenever you heard Biden say that to him. However, you guys, we are supposed to be like you are. You're supposed to be presidential. Yeah, you, you are the president and the presidential nominee, and, and the this former is, vice president. Like it's, it's not even you guys just are a nominee. Acting like you're on an elementary school playground right but now. Like, it was but unbelievable. That, but that was Trump's tactic. He's the bully on the playground, and you're the kid that's like, my mom told me that if I ignore him. He's going to go away. But the bully just keeps poking at you and poking at you and poking at you until you're finally just like, oh, my God, go away. <sighs> and <sighs> on the other side of that, Trump was unable, you know, as we've alluded to many times, unable to let a single moment pass without a rude interruption. He was continuously spewing falsehoods and personal attacks to the point where CNN actually called it an avalanche of lying That's what CNN called it. Like, there were no fact checkers on site for this debate, which is annoying. Yeah. So CNN did go through and fact check. And that was what was so helpful from this, like, Apple News Today thing that I listened to, because they actually went through the the political things that were discussed that were completely lost on me during the debate because of all of the other things that were going on, like the the thing that's upsetting at the end of the day if we were to take away all of the insults and all of the craziness of the debate there really wasn't a whole lot of talk about what either of their plans would be Mm-mm. as president almost none almost none so, and i do yeah. believe that joe biden would have given us that had he been yeah. given the opportunity but the whole thing just devolved and also you know joe biden doesn't operate well under pressure it was my concern before this debate yeah. even started like he has proven himself time and again in debates time and again that he does not operate well under pressure he can't ignore or tune out the opponent and he yeah. was not able to do that last night at all. He he wasn't, but I have to say that he 
humanized himself quite a bit, uh-huh. which I think for the American voter is a very important thing because right. I was liking him more and more as I was watching him. Not even it was before he even made any comments or said anything. It was just um, his demeanor, you know, of course, at the start, you know, everything is kind of a bit more cordial. And then as soon as Biden opens his mouth is when Trump kind of starts you well, know, running his. Yeah. But Biden's kind of settling into that. And being like, okay, I'm just going to like, this is what it's going to be. This is what I'm going to do. Like he smiled and laughed a lot. And like, of course, you know, it's it's weird for a debate, but there was something very human about it because it was like, it, it well, was a connection. By, by comparison, Biden absolutely looked like the adult in the room b- yeah. between the two of them. I mean, Chris Wallace looked like the adult in the room. But Biden Which was looked- insane because it's like, I felt like I was watching like myself running a play date where the two aren't getting along and I have to like get them to both tell me their side of the story and then like calm them down and he's just failing at it miserably and like can't get either of them to state their point. (laughs) Right. But like going along with what you just said, let's talk about the ways in which Trump seemed to hurt his own cause. So he, he, it doesn't appear to me as though he came into the debate with any strategy other than to drown out Joe Biden and to attack him as much as possible mm-hmm. because he spread misinformation about voting by mail and he pushed a false narrative that the process was rigged. But Democrats have been requesting mail ballots at far greater numbers in several key states, which it ca- is causing a lot of like Republican strategists to worry that mm-hmm. Trump is scaring away his own supporters. So by causing this fear about voting by mail, now you have caused this conundrum amongst your supporters where maybe they're old and they don't want to go vote in person, but they don't trust voting by mail now, so it's possible they might not vote at all. Um. And then... In addition to that, he mocked Biden for wearing a face mask, even though polls prove that most people actually don't have a problem with masks. Yeah. And so he didn't win over any undecided voters there. When Joe Biden refused to endorse some of the policies popular under progressives like AOC, including a packed Supreme Court and the Green New Deal, Trump said that Biden had just lost the left. And you could tell that he was saying that as like, oh, see, you just lost him. I'm going to win. However, all that does is make moderate voters, maybe ones who voted for him and voted for Trump in 2016, feel more comfortable because undecided moderate voters are now saying, oh, he might not be the ultra liberal that I thought he was. Even Trump is saying that he's not the ultra liberal. Yes. I mean, Trump even, you know, he brought up the crime bill that we mentioned during our Joe Biden, Kamala Mm -hmm. Harris episode. And, you know, he was attacking Biden for some of the things that, yes, will turn around and bite him in the ass. Right. And another thing that he did, which I don't think was a good look for him that we talked about, you know, touched on a little bit earlier, is that he went after Joe Biden's son, Hunter, for having been discharged from the Navy for cocaine. And all that did, in my opinion, was give Biden the opportunity, like you said, to humanize himself, because what he did was Mm -hmm. look directly into the camera and he did a impassioned appeal to both military families and those with 
people, you know, loved ones or people themselves who are struggling with addiction. So yes, he it just was allowed a very, him. It was a very moving moment in a very chaotic scene, I have to say. It was a very, very, very moving moment. It was very hurtful what he did, but Joe Biden really responded in a way that I thought was so dignified and right. wonderful. I mean, the I think it backfired on Trump. Two, I do. It definitely backfired because he, again, was bringing up the fact that he called you know, military members losers. You know what I mean? He's calling back to very recent news that we can like call up and pull up the receipts. Well, and, you know? and the fact is the United States has an opioid crisis. We have a drug addiction crisis in this country. And there are a lot of people who are going to sympathize and empathize with having family members who are in that situation. And so for Trump to attack Joe Biden's son based on something like that. Yeah. It, he just alienated a bunch of voters That's, or potential voters. It is a really it is a really good point because I mean I have family member family members who, you know, suffer from addiction and also support Trump. It would be interesting, you know, if they saw the debate, if they've heard these things, what their thoughts would be on that. Absolutely. You know. But here's what I'll say. After the debate last night, I was having a really difficult time. I spent, I I was crying. I was very yeah. upset. I couldn't really laugh at a lot of the memes that I was seeing going around. Mm-mm. And here's why. Because I was, and am, and am terrified about yeah. what's going to happen. And, and here's why. So during the debate, when they were talking about racial issues, which I will tell you, <laughs> was an awkward thing to watch two septuagenarians talk about race to white guys. Um, (laughs) It was awkward already. But at one point, and I do kind of give a little bit of respect to Chris Wallace, who is actually from Fox News. So my expectations were not high um, for really pushing, pushing Trump to answer this question. Mm -hmm. So Trump was asked to condemn white supremacy and to condemn far right um, extremist groups. Specifically, he was asked to condemn the Proud Boys. And instead of doing that, you could tell. I mean, this man looked like he was sweating. He was trying to avoid answering the question. Yeah. But luckily, Chris Wallace didn't let up on him and and Mm -hmm. insisted that he answer. He did not condemn white supremacy, which should be enough for anyone Anyone who's on the fence. It's not a Republican or a Democrat thing. Every Republican president in my lifetime up until this point would have denounced white supremacy had they been asked. 100% I, I don't. 100% without hesitation. Without hesitation. White supremacy. I yeah. don't think it would have been a thing that was at all a problem. And instead, Trump basically said, well, I think all of the violence is coming on the left. And Chris Wallace basically said, that doesn't answer my question. Yeah. Will you condemn the white white supremacy extremist groups? And he said, oh, sure. I'll tell the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Yep. And the moment he said that, Anthony was outside you know, he was out on our balcony just taking a break. And I yelled so loud because yeah. I know exactly what that means. And then for him to have done that and also compounded it by refusing to agree to the results of the election and refusing to agree to a peaceful transition of power, those two things combined I knew exactly what that meant, which is that you are giving the go ahead for when you lose this election 
for these militant right-wing groups who we have already seen conduct violence, yeah. you are giving them permission to attack everybody else, to attack yeah. the left. You, you are inciting a civil war. You're absolutely doing that. And I really feel like people thought that I was being like I was exaggerating or I was being dramatic. No, 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 no. That was that's what I've been telling everybody and their mother. It's like, vote, vote, vote. And I'm like, yes, vote, get out there, vote. But start like taking more action now. Like voting is not going to be enough right now because our vote doesn't like I I don't want to say it doesn't matter because like. We have the to vote, vote matters. Like it matters. Vote matters. Like you have Everyone to vote. needs to vote. You have like, to vote. Yes, but also but be there's aware. More than there's more than that. Like you have to start, like actually figuring out ways that we can organize and affect change, or at least maintain our sanity if we have to deal with this. Well, here's here's the thing. And again, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to fear monger. I'm not trying to be this person who's sucking all the hope. I want people to have hope. I do. But I also want people to be very aware that they should be very, very scared. Because as soon as that happened, the Proud Boys started rallying. And by the way, they are on all kinds of watch lists. And around the same time, the FBI released a report that said that we need to be fearful of right-wing terrorism, right-wing extremism. And they actually said that the period between the presidential election and the inauguration is a flashpoint period. So if anything is going to happen, it's going to happen between that time. And Mm -hmm. there was a neo-Nazi named um, Andrew Anglin, and he runs the Daily Stormer, which is a neo-Nazi website. He's actually a defendant in the Integrity for USA's lawsuit for orchestrating the Charlottesville riots and and Mm. violence that happened in Charlottesville. So I'm just going to read, I won't read the entire thing, but I will read a portion of what he said in response to what Trump said. He said, quote, I think he's ready to go. I believe it now. I didn't know before, but I am now a believer. Trump is ready for a war in the streets of America to save this country from the beast that is riding in on Joe Biden. He didn't condemn anyone and he didn't tell them to stand down. He told them to stand back and stand by. What that appears to me to indicate is wait until I give the signal. I got shivers. I still have shivers. He is telling the people to stand by as in get ready for war. Then he said, you remember when I told you that the people who go to protest with guns are trivializing the fact that there is going to come a time when we will need to go out in the streets with guns for some other reason than playing dress up? Well, that time could be coming before the end of the year. Of course, Trump is going to give the orders and the first calls for people in the streets will be unarmed, but it could escalate very quickly to a shooting war. Prepare yourself for that. So they are literally taking what he said very seriously. As, very seriously. Yeah. As we need to stand they've, by, we yeah. are ready to fight a civil war. They've even like made an emblem already with that on it. Yeah. They've and made it, emblems that say that say stand by on them. They've also taken an image of Kyle Rittenhouse mm-hmm. uh, and they've been sharing that that says stand back and stand by on it. Yeah. They've absolutely. Trump can't plead ignorance, which is kind of what he's been trying to do today. Yeah. 
he can't plead ignorance. And even if he did, it doesn't matter. You're you're the president of the United States. Your words have fucking power. And yeah. you should have denounced white supremacy the fucking second it was asked of you. Yeah. And refusal to do that, anything less than denouncing it, is endorsing it. Period. So. I agree. I agree. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm fucking terrified. I mean, I luckily still found great cathartic moments in the humor of it just because I fucking had to. And like Max kept saying, he's like, if this wasn't real, I would be laughing right now because it was it was absurd. It was like watching an episode of Veep. Like it was crazy. But the scary thing is, is that it's fucking real. It's not funny. So as great as it is to have the meme that says shut up man and like there is something in that that just it just made me feel a little bit better when I was literally like Max kept having to remind me to quiet down I was being so loud I was just like fuck and he was like you can't do that well luckily everybody was kind of in the same boat I'm sure my neighbors heard me yelling and I'm sure they knew exactly why I mean I don't know I'm really concerned about my okay I'm gonna talk really low because I don't know how thin all these walls are my neighbor has like straight up red white and blue red like red and white stripes blue walls in her apartment she's been like painting it throughout the pandemic I don't know what's going on I'm very scared I think it's also really sad. We got to wrap up this episode, but I know. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. I was just having this conversation with Anthony where this is really sad. You guys like I, I see a house that has American flags on it or an American flag flying. And I assume that that person is racist now. Like that, that, and that's, that's so sad to me as someone who grew up proud to be an American for right or wrong. I was (laughs) proud to be an American as a child. I thought you were going to start singing the song. No, no, we all got enough of that in the years 2001 to 2003. Yes, we did. But for me... That's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that I can't look at the that's a house that has the American flag on it and not think, I bet you there's a racist inside. Yeah, that's sad. It is. It is very sad, and it's, gosh, that's a whole as a whole huge issue and something that I've dealt with with my family, and I'm sure you've dealt with with your family. You know, talk of like patriotism and what that means and things like that, and. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. I feel much better if I see someone with like an American flag, but then also have like a rainbow flag or a Black Lives Matter flag. Sure. You know, yeah. something for, tie it together for me, you know? Patriotism means wanting freedom for every person who lives here yes. and real freedom and what that actually means. Like, so anyway, I just I just wanted to let everyone know I'm not trying to suck your hope out of you I want you to remain hopeful I want you to believe in this country I believe in this country and I want this country to be better yeah I feel like we're what we're asking for is long-term hope and that's kind of what I keep reminding myself because we expect very quick change a lot of times as Americans and I think a lot of people even believe that if Biden was president all this would just be fixed (laughs) and (laughs) yeah you know and that's the thing is that there are countries civilizations you know all throughout history that have dealt with much longer darker periods than we have and they have sustained and worked through it and continued to fight so i'm not asking for you know short-term hope we're not just waiting for november 3rd or you know january 21st or wherever you know the inauguration is you know we're holding on for a very very long time you know, it's, yeah. a di- it's a different kind of hope. It's, not, it's less anticipation. It's more of just like 
preparing yourself. Right. Arming right. yourself with whatever knowledge and, you know, guidance that you need and preparing so yourself for a, for a long battle of We need to eliminate the short-term threat, right? And the short-term threat is Trump. So we all need to go and we need to vote and we need to get him out of office. That's the mm-hmm. short-term threat. The long-term threat is the fact that the people who vote for Trump are still going to exist in this country. Exactly. The systems that uphold, you know, systemic oppression against minority groups are still going to exist in this country. So yeah, they didn't no matter start who's with president, Trump, they're not going to end with Trump. You know right. what I mean? There's so, still a lot that we have to do. So that stuff needs to be taken care of. But for now, for now, until November 3rd, eyes on the fucking prize. Please, please vote. For real. <laughs> please For real. vote, especially if you live in a swing state. If you are a young person, which I know we have young people on this podcast, if this is maybe your first time voting, call your friends. Get three of them to come vote with you because let me tell you, I feel like such an old lady, but it is you who is going to save us this election. It 100%. really is. It's the people who couldn't vote in 2016 who can vote right now. So mm-hmm. I need you guys... I need you guys to show up, please. I know. Please, 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 please vote Biden. And my fellow like, millennials, please, please. I know. Every time I just see it say vote, though, I want to write a marker, Biden. Like, don't just tell people to vote because the other side's already voting. Tell people to vote for fucking Biden, motherfuckers. Sorry, I'm done. Um, <laughs> thank you so much to everybody for listening. Uh, if you would like to email us with anything, go ahead and do that. Our email is neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us and follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. You can also group page sorry (laughs) you can also rate and review us on apple Podcasts. that is what helps us out the most and we really appreciate it also if you don't already go ahead and listen to us on radio public it is a free way for you to listen to us and it helps us a little tiny bit all right that's all we have for you today with all of that being said we encourage you to rage on Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.